Todd Ralph to come, and Todd's going to read for us the text. And uh, one of the reasons that we're going to do this, we're going to do this a little bit more often here uh, uh, in, in the coming days, is because I don't want to just jump through the text. You understand that the point of the message is not what I have to say, it's about what the Bible has to say, right? And so we're going to do our best to draw special attention to what the Bible has to say. And so I've asked Todd to come. He's going to read for us the verses that we have this morning, then he's going to pray, and then we'll jump into the message together. So Todd, you come, and you do that for us. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We do pray that, Lord, that this morning you would be with us as, as, past, as Pastor speaks to us through your word, Lord. We, Lord, we pray that we would take these words to heart. Lord, that we would apply them to our daily walk, Lord. Lord, we, we pray that also you would give us someone special this week to share these words with. Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you do, Lord. We, we do know that you will speak to us today, and we just ask that you would bless us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Todd. Well, growing up, I've, I've shared before, I, I had an immense fear of the dark, all right, whenever I was a little kid. It was uh, something that was absolutely traumatizing in my life. My mom may be watching this video, uh, the message today, and she's probably there shaking her head because it's true. It was, it was an intense fear of the dark. I was absolutely terrified of the dark, and, and in fact, it was so bad that uh, my parents helped me by not putting a nightlight in my room. They put a lamp, and uh, so I slept with a lamp on uh, for uh, the bulk of, of my my. Uh, younger years. Now, uh, I'm, uh, I'd like to admit to you that I have accomplished that fear, and now we don't, Tress and I, we don't sleep with the lamp in our room, okay? But uh, it, uh, that was something that I had for many years, and, and uh, something that else that my parents did, not only did we have a lamp on in there, but my mom had this little cassette that she would play for me at night. Now, uh, I know some of you are like, Kyle, you were like totally babied, and I was. It was a wonderful thing, and so, uh, but uh, she had this cassette, and I still remember it. I don't remember what the name of it was or anything thing really about it except for some of the things that were on it. I remember it was this little yellow cassette and uh, she would put that into the, the cassette player because that's what we had then, right? We didn't have CDs and, and uh, she put that in there and she would play it at night and that had a number of different songs that were on there that I would listen to and they would help me to go to sleep at night whenever I was a little kid. But I remember one in particular off of there. It wasn't really a song. It was more of a, a kind of a, a skit or, or you know, they, they just kind of quoted something and what they quoted was James chapter number four, verse number seven, where the Bible says there, we just read it, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, that verse had a, a major impact in my life. In fact, it may have been the very first verse that I ever memorized from the Bible simply because that little cassette tape that I listened to each and every night. Well, last week we, we started into James chapter number four, and, and James introduced us to the conflict of life and where it comes from. We, we saw as we went into it that, that we want what we want, and, and so we fight for what we want, and, and then we ask God for what we want, and God says, I've got nothing to do with it because it's all about you. And uh, we saw last week how 
this, this reality that, that as we reach the end of the message that, that God there told us in verse number 5 that our natural human response is, is to respond in our flesh. That's how we're naturally going to respond. We're naturally going to say, I want what I want, so I'm going to fight what I, for what I want, and, and, and then God, give me what I want. That's going to be our natural response. And unfortunately, in of ourselves, we don't have an ability to overcome that. We saw that in 4, verse number 5. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain that the Spirit dwelt, that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? He says, listen, it's just, that is what it is. Your, your flesh, your spirit that, that's inside of you, it, it's natural desire, it's natural response is going to be just that. But we have a wonderful promise in verse number 6, that God gives us more grace. And, and while you and I are unable to win the battle in our, in our flesh, against our flesh, in our own strength, the grace of God is greater and more powerful than our flesh will ever be. And James gives the answer to how we can access that grace at the end of verse number 6. Look there again at verse number 6. He says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but what? But he giveth grace unto the humble. I don't know about you, but, but I need more grace in my life. I, I want the power of God in his grace to overflow and overcome the flesh in my life. Even this last week there were situations that came up and, and, and I wanted to respond in my flesh, right? I mean, you, you probably don't struggle with this, but I do, all right? And, uh, and I, even this last week we were, had a situation and, and I had written a text message of something that I wanted to say and, and Tressa, whose voice oftentimes sounds like the Holy Spirit, said, no, you, you don't want to send that. And I thought to myself, yes, I do. And, uh, you know, that was... Uh, you know, I wanted to. I wanted to, to do that. And you know what I needed in that moment? I needed more grace. I needed God's grace to help me so that I didn't do something dumb, stupid that I was going to regret at a later time. God, we need God's grace. We need more grace in our life. And, and, and that's something that each and every person needs. Every day of our life, we need it. Because if we don't have it, we'll make a complete mess of things. But to access that grace... The Bible tells us there that we have to have humility. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Now, that word humility is a word that gets tossed around so much to the point that I think sometimes we, we lose sight of what it means. There's some that look at it and say, well, it means that, that we should just think that, that nothing of ourselves and that we're just worthless and a, and a nothing but a worm am I. You know, that's, that's what we should think. Maybe you've heard somebody say before, you, you, you've met someone and they say, well, they came from humble beginnings. Maybe you've had, heard somebody say that and immediately our mind goes to, oh, they came from nothing. And they made something of themselves. And so when we hear this, okay, you have to be humble, immediately our, our minds think to ourselves, well, well, we should think that we are nothing, that I'm, I'm nothing. But but as we're going to see, that's, that's not what it's meant here in the passage. No, it, it means that we should just stop thinking so much about ourselves. And James gives us the answer to what we should be focusing on instead of ourselves. How we can truly understand what it means that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And how we can experience that life as a humble believer. So as we begin this morning, we, we're just going to look at one verse. We'll get to the rest of them next week or in a couple of weeks here, Lord willing. But, but today we're just going to focus on that one verse, verse number 7. 
The Bible says this, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. If we're going to understand what it means to be humble and, and, and to, to humble ourselves before the Lord, we, we have to understand what the Bible says here. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I don't have a lot of experience with any type of karate. Whenever I was uh, five years old, my parents enlisted me and, and enrolled me in a karate class. And uh, I was successfully a white belt, uh, which was the one that they gave me when I walked into the room. And uh, I remember that. And, uh, I, you know, they've got videos of me standing there at five years old, saying, hey, yeah, you know, and kicking and things like that. That was the extent of my karate experience. Uh, listen, if we're going into some type of rough and tumble, you know, tumble, you know, rough and fighting type of thing like that, you, I'm not the one you want on your team, okay? It's just not the way that it works. I know. I'm, I'm physically uh, imposing, but you know it's 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 not that much, all right. And so, but uh, I, I, that that was the extent. But but we we had a guy that came to church here for a little while, uh, some years ago, and he was really into jujitsu. And uh, he would, I don't know what he was bigger than I was. He could have beat me up anyway. But I mean, for some reason, he had to prove to me that that even though he was bigger than me and he could beat me up anyway, that because of his jiu-jitsu, that made it even more imposing that he could beat me up anyway. And so he would come over and, and he'd put me in a headlock and things like that. And I'm like, Haha, yep, you could kill me. You know, it was just kind of like, that was, that was kind of the way it was. And, and uh, he, he would do that quite a bit. But uh, one thing that I, that I learned about jiu-jitsu is, is that it's, it's a little bit different than like, you know, you see like someone where it's the punching and things like that. Jiu-jitsu is a lot of grabbing and pulling and, and you're trying to get a person in a, in a way that, that you can make them submit to you, right? You want them to tap out and say, oh, you know, you're breaking my arm now. Okay, let me go. You know, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get them to submit, and so whenever we hear submit, that's, I don't know about you, but that's kind of where my mind goes to is, okay, uh, that you're supposed to submit. But this is the weird part. He says, submit yourselves. So now it's kind of like you're grabbing your own arm, all right, and twisting it up behind your back and trying to get yourself to say uncle, right? I mean, like that's, that's you know, maybe, I, th no, that's not what he's saying here, okay? That, that's not the type of submission that he's referring to. When he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, he, he, the, the emphasis here has this idea of an enlistment. It's kind of like when, when a soldier enlists in an army. What is he doing? He's willingly putting himself under his superior. It's, it's not a forced submission. It's a willful submission saying, listen, I am going to willfully put myself under the authority of someone that is superior to me. James is saying humility begins not when we cower in a corner and pretend that we are worthless and nothing. No, humility begins when we understand our place in God's army and submit to his will and his leadership in our lives. When we say, as the song said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. When, when we were kids, no doubt you probably sang the song, and uh, we, we probably sing with the kids over here. Very theological song. I'm in the Lord's army, right? Okay, you, you can probably remember it, and, and we, we sing that together. I may never march in the infantry. I may never ride in the cavalry. I may never shoot the artillery, you know, Right? And I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army, all right? You know, and we, we would sing that song as a kid, and, and you didn't understand just how theologically accurate it was, because most of you probably have never, you know, shot the artillery or flew over the enemy, you know what I mean? It's just, but, but listen, if you're a Christian, the Bible says, 
you're in the Lord's army. That's what the Bible says. So sometimes we, we don't realize it. When we were kids, when we sing it, we didn't realize what that actually meant. But the Bible tells us that when you become a believer, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you decide, I'm going to stop trusting in myself to get to heaven or something that I can do to get to heaven, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to save me from my sins. When you make that decision, the Bible says you're enlisted. You may not have known it. You didn't have to sign any contracts, but when you got saved, you were enlisted in the Lord's army. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.3, Therefore, thou therefore endure hardness, how? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 6, it may be one of those familiar passages where it talks about, uh, think of this, this, this idea of being a soldier uh, of the Lord. In Ephesians 6, verse number 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He tells us, he says, listen, you're, you're going into battle. And so what do you have to do? You have to put on the armory. You have to put on the armor that, that I have given to you. And we, you can go through it and you can see the helmet that we're supposed to put on. The breastplate of righteousness and our feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and all these, these pieces of armor that we're supposed to put on ourselves so that we can go and be a faithful soldier in the Lord's army. So we, we, we put on Christ's righteousness and we put off our filthy rags. You surrender to the army of the Lord. And as a soldier, you must choose to submit yourself to the one who is your superior. You understand that just because you sign a paper to join the army doesn't immediately mean that you're submitting. You have to choose to do that. Oftentimes you'll, you'll find, find people that, that are dishonorably discharged. Why? Maybe they fled from their duty, from what they were supposed to do. I'm afraid there are many Christians that are MIA because they're not submitting themselves to the one that's supposed to be in control of their lives. We're supposed to be surrendered to God. We're supposed to be submitting to Him. Jesus demonstrated kind of what it looks like to submit. And, and whenever Jesus was just a teenager, the Bible gives us the story. He and his family had made their way to Jerusalem. And, and you'll remember that, that whenever they left to go back home, they were about a day into their journey back home whenever his parents looked around and said, oh wait, where's Jesus? I mean, that's, that's kind of a bad deal, right? You know, I mean, that, that would be an, an awful situation. You start looking around, you're like, oh no, I lost my kid. Um, I'm not going to say that we have done that, but I'm not going to say that we haven't done that before. It wasn't a whole day, but I mean, you know, uh, there's, situa- there's some times where you just, you know, you kind of forget about him. You know, it just is what it is. But uh, I mean, come on, this was Jesus, all right? I mean, this, is a, this was a big deal. It was a big deal. My wife's like, you've got to be kidding me. So yeah, but uh, so they make their way back. But listen, it gets worse. It took them three days to find him once they made it back to Jerusalem. Just imagine that. For three days, they are like panicked. I mean, their son is gone. They can't find him anywhere. And then they walk into the temple and there he is sitting there listening to the teachers and the, and, and, and the, the, the philosophers. And, and, and he's even sh- give, shedding light on some things that they don't understand. And, and you'll remember they come in and say, Jesus, where have you been? We've been looking for you. And he said, don't you know I've got to be about my, my father's business? And, and the Bible tells us that they go to leave. And it's interesting, the Bible says this in, in Luke 2.51, it says, And when he went down with them and came to Nazareth, as they went back home, it says this, he, 
he was subject unto them. His mother kept all these sayings in her heart. He, w- he made himself subject to them. It, it has the idea of submitting himself. Here Jesus, God amongst men. The one who John chapter 1 tells us was in the beginning and was there for the creation and was involved in the creation of the very world. The Bible says that he chose to put himself under submission to his parents. He put himself, listen, under their will for him. Jesus knew what it meant to humble himself to the will of others. When he was in that garden on the night before he would give his life on the cross for your sins and mine, he prayed three times, Father, not my will, but thine be done. In Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 5, we, we quote these verses so often because they're so powerful. It says, but let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think this way, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God. He was God in flesh, but listen to what he did. He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, came obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Friends, enjoy the grace of God that is so much greater than the power of your flesh. You must choose to humble yourself, to willingly submit to God. To place yourself under His authority for your life. And while it's easy to say it is so often so hard to do, to lay aside your plans and my plans for the will of the Father. Friend, when was the last time? Think about it. When was the last time you stopped and said, God, I am following you and your will for my life? When's the last time that you consciously just came to God and said, God, I am choosing to submit to your will for me? When's the last time that you did it when it came to the way that you raised your kids? Last time that you did it when it came to your relationship with your spouse? When's the last time that you did it when it came to decisions with work? So much of our life, we just... We look at things and we, we put up a chart and we say, okay, these are the benefits and, and these are the negatives. And as long as the benefits outweigh the negatives, then I'm going to make this decision in my life. And we never consult with God or His will for our life. We make so many decisions in our life based upon what, what? I want what I want. And so I fight for what I want. And God, will you give me what I want? All the while, God's saying, That's not humility. That's not submission. Friend, I hope today maybe you'll you'll ask the Lord to examine your heart and you, you understand the importance of humility because if we want to experience that grace that God promises that will outweigh the power of the flesh in our life, we have to willingly submit ourselves to God. But listen, friend, that's just the first part. Because submission is where humility begins. But listen... We see next where that humility is demonstrated. Where that humility is demonstrated. Look again at verse number 7 as we wrap up here today. Submit yourselves therefore to God. And listen, resist the devil. Resist the devil. We're commanded in Scripture to resist the wicked one, the evil one. 
The word resist here literally means to take your stand against. I heard one preacher say if, that, it, is, that it, it has the idea of stepping out of your bed in the morning and seeking to spend the day going the opposite direction of the devil and his wickedness. Waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, I want to meet the devil face to face and make sure the whole day I'm going completely in opposition to everything that he wants for my life. Because God, I want what you want. To resist. Here as a Christian, we put on the whole armor of God. We're the soldier in the bat in the army of the Lord. And now what is our battle? What do we have to do? We, we resist the wicked one. We fight against the devil. James knew that Satan is a real enemy who is seeking to destroy. Some, some out there have said that, that, listen, the devil is just some guy that we make up. There's some that believe that, that he's just this little guy in a red, red suit with little pointy ears and a red uh, pitchfork and a little pointy tail. And, and that's just who the devil is. Listen, friend, no, 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 no. The devil is seeking to destroy your life. He wants nothing but destruction for you. Everybody in here would understand that. You would agree with me in that. There's nobody here that is a satanic worshiper that, that, that says to himself, you know, uh, you, you come to church on Sunday and you nod your head and things and you go back home to your little shrine that you have a house. Nobody here, I don't, I don't think, would do that, okay? Uh, I mean, everybody here, I believe, uh, would say, yes, I want what the Lord wants. But so many times we don't treat the devil like he's a real enemy. We don't treat our flesh like it's the real enemy. And the Bible tells us that Peter knew exactly who this enemy was. He pointed it out to us in 1 Peter 5, verse number 8. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Hey, watch, be careful. Why? Because you have an adversary who is the devil. As a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for Christians that he can destroy. He's looking for people that he can devour, consume their lives. Because of that reality, Paul warned the believers in Ephesus. In Ephesians 4, verse number 27, he said, Neither give place unto the devil. It's been said that, listen, if you give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. You understand that, that the devil, he, he likes to sell things to you in a certain way. He likes to sell things and he works in little sense. That's the way he brings it across. Oh, it's just a little sin. It's just a little this. It's a little bitterness. It's a little unforgiveness. It's just a little sin. But here's the thing. He doesn't want you to see the little sin, quote unquote, potential. The potential. Because the potential of sin is always destruction. We talked about it a little bit this morning in Sunday school. So James warns here, don't take a chance. Don't give him an inch. No, from the time you wake up to the time you pillow your head, put on the whole armor of God. And listen, neither give place to the devil. Resist the devil. Submit yourself, therefore, to God and resist the devil. According to the Bible, Samson was the strongest man to ever live. He'd ever lived. It was, it was his, his power was unmatched. He was unstoppable. You can read in the scripture of how he defeated entire armies. He picked up the whole gate of a city and took it on his shoulder and ran with it. I mean, he was a powerful and imposing man. God had given him strength. Why? For a purpose. To defeat the enemies of Israel, God's people. But in all his strength, Samson... 
he, he didn't know how to resist. In fact, one of the very first things that we learn about Samson, the very beginning, is in Judges chapter number four, 14, where it says this in verse number 1, And Samson went down to Timnath, and he saw a woman of Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman of, the, of Timnath, the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. And his father and his mother said to him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all thy people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. We don't know exactly how it happened. Well, one day he's just, he, he, he just happens to be passing by, probably in a place that he shouldn't be. And as he's passing by, the Bible tells us he sees a, a woman, a daughter of Timnath, who is of the Philistines. Listen, the, the, the Israelites and the, and the Philistines would have nothing to do with each other. God forbid them from marrying with each other. And, and Samson, the Bible says, saw her. He lusted after her is, is the, the idea here. And, and he said, I, I want her. So he went to his parents and said, Mom and Dad, he said, go and get her for me. And they said, is there not someone that's of our people, of God's people? And he said, no, 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 she pleaseth me well. Go and get her for me. He couldn't help himself. It was what he wanted. It was just a look after all. When Delilah begged Samson to tell her the secret of his strength, at first he didn't tell her. At first he, 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 he didn't let her in on the secret, but then slowly he began to, to weave together the lies of, oh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's these vines that you weave together. If you just do these things, then if you just take these ropes and you do this, and, and it just a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, he didn't know how to resist. Just a little this, a little that, a little slip here, a little slip there. Until one day, Samson awoke without any hair. And one of the saddest verses of the Bible tells us in Judges 16.20 that Delilah says to him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself. He wist not that the Lord was departed from him. See, Samson had spent so much of his life not resisting. He spent so much of his life not submitting to God that Samson didn't even realize when he didn't have the power of God in his life. Now remember where the little sin began. The Bible tells us it began with a look. He saw a woman, a daughter of Timnath, the daughter of the Philistines, and it's interesting, after he was captured by the Philistines, what Judges 16.21 tells us. But the Philistines took him, and what did they do? Well, they, they put out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza, bound him in fetters and brass, and he grinded in the prison house. It was just a little look, he thought. But it led to his complete blindness. Not just physically, but spiritually. Because Samson didn't know how to resist the devil. And it cost him everything. Friend, are you resisting the devil in your life? 
One of the realities of resistance is that it causes heat and friction. You understand if you're trying to hold something back, trying to stop something from going forward, if you're trying to stand against something, there will be heat, there will be friction that is created. But here's the truth. In most people's lives, there's very little heat because there's very little friction. Why? Because there's very little resistance. Instead of waking up in the morning and turning your feet and saying, I want to, today, Lord, help me to submit myself to you and I want to resist the devil, you just go with the flow. Hey, listen, I'm glad you're here on Sunday, but, but does your Christianity go with you the rest of the week? When all the people at church aren't there around you to cheer you on and, and to say amen and, and Isaac isn't up here to, 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 to lead the music and, and, and all of those things. When, when that happens, are you still resisting? Or are you just going with the flow? You know, I'm, I'm convinced that one of the reasons the church is in the condition that it is today and the world is in the condition that it is today is because the church has forgotten what it meant to submit ourselves, therefore, to God and to resist the devil. We've gotten really good at saying, I want what I want. And just going with the flow. You understand there ought to be something different about somebody who's a soldier in the army of the Lord. There ought to be something different about somebody that, that is a believer, that is a follower of Christ. You see, friend, if you aren't careful, if you don't get up and you don't stand and resist the devil, you'll wake up one day blinded because of sin and broken by where you are. But here's the key of the verse. He says this, if, if you do submit yourself, therefore, to God, if you do resist the devil, it says this, he will flee from you. My pastor growing up uh, was a fairly, he was a man of fairly short stature. He wasn't a larger imposing man. He was much, uh, much like myself, I guess you could say. He, he was about five foot eight and uh, had a big, always had a big smile on his face and, and his hair was always combed just right. But I mean, and he, he was a very intense person when it came to athletics, sports or things like that. I had the opportunity to play basketball with him some and, and baseball with him, some different things. And he was very passionate when you get out there. And, and he was one of the guys that you wanted on your team because of his intensity, because of his passion. And uh, sometimes he was like, okay, it's a little much, you know. I mean, you're playing like a pickup game, a three-on-three basketball, and he's out there like diving for the ball and stuff on the, the asphalt. And it's like, you know, I just don't think we need to go that hard today. You know, it's just, it was just kind of the way that it was. But I mean, that's, that was the kind of guy that he was. But he, he shared before, I'll never forget, he, he was talking, he said, you know, our church, we would go out door knocking, and, and we'd invite people to church and things like that, different times of the year, and, and he shared his favorite person to go out door knocking with. His favorite person to go out door knocking with was a guy by the name of Tim Vest, a family friend of ours, and he told us, he said, you know, he said, I, he said when, I, when I went out door knocking by myself and I knocked on a door, oftentimes people might, you know, ignore me, slam the door in my face, you know, maybe say something to me and, you know, kind of critical or whatever. He said it never happened with Tim. See, Tim was about six foot seven, six foot eight, and a whole lot of pounds. I mean, he was a big guy. Tim had a handlebar mustache. 
And, and oftentimes you would see, I don't know what it is about handlebar mustaches. If I could grow one, I would, and it would be intimidating, but I, it just is what it is. But he, he'd have, I mean, just, he just looked the part. And, and not only that, he had a custom-made chopper motorcycle that was built for him because he was so tall. Every once in a while, you'd see him driving down the road with his great big chopper motorcycle with his handlebar mustache and, and sunglasses, and it was just like, he's tough. I mean, it just, he was tough. Never forget my pastor growing up, he, Kevin, he, he said, I love going out door knocking with Tim, because everybody's nice to me. <laughs> he said, I've never had anybody slam a door in my face when Tim's there with me. Because everybody's very receptive. They always listen to me when Tim's standing there with me. Why? Well, the reality was, it was nothing about him. It's all about the guy that he was with, Right? You understand the devil doesn't run from you. <laughs> There's nothing imposing about me or you. Listen, you may be the greatest Christian in this room, and the devil is not scared of you, okay? He's not. I mean, like, you, you, you can make the ugliest face you can come up with. He is not scared of you. Not, not one, one bit, not one ounce is he scared of you. But you know who he is scared of? He's scared of the one that, that I'm with. You see... For that last part to take effect, he will flee from you, is completely and 100% dependent, not on just the second part of the verse, not on just the first part of that verse. No, no, no. It's dependent on both of those parts working together. You see, you have to submit yourself, therefore, to God, and you have to resist the devil. And when you do both of those things, the Bible tells us a promise. He will flee from you. Friend, if you decide you're going to resist the devil today by yourself, you will fail. But you have one that is far more powerful than the devil. You have one who has grace that he offers to you that's so much greater than your flesh. And God desires for you and I to walk through that power. Romans 8.37 says this, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. How? Through Him that loved us. Realize that it isn't about getting what I want, like we talked about last week. It's all about submitting to who He is and allowing Him to be the God of our life. Friend, are you a soldier in His army? Are you a good soldier in his army? You can't be a good soldier if you aren't submitting to the one who is your superior and resisting the enemy that's coming against you. 2 Timothy 2.4 says this, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. I want what I want! No, no, no. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The purpose of our life is not for us to get what we want. It's to submit to the one who gave us life to begin with. It starts with submission demonstrated in your resistance and when you do that, the Bible promises the devil will flee from you. For this morning, is the devil running? 
Is he running in your life? Not because of who you are, but because of who you are with. You know, if I could, if I turn that lamp on and I pull out that old yellow cassette tape and I pop it in there for you so you could learn and hear that truth that I heard so many years ago when it was so simple, just as a kid. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, as a kid, I, I just said, okay. <laughs> I wanted to be able to sleep at night, okay? I mean, like, it was like, all right, that's what I got to do. That's what, I'll, that's what I'll do. Listen, friend. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I hope we'll have a lot of Christians living their life with a devil on the run because you've decided to do exactly what the Bible tells us that we should do. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed together as we finish our service. It's a simple thought, but I hope this morning the truth from this verse will so embed itself in your heart and your life that you'll never forget this simple truth. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Friend, are you submitting to him? Or is it, I want what I want? See, humility is not thinking that you are nothing. Humility is thinking that God is everything and submitting to him. And this morning, maybe you've been living your life under your control. And as a soldier, that's never going to work. Maybe you've just been MIA, completely missing. Because you've not been submitting yourself to the one that should control your life. And this morning, Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and you realize, if you're going to be a good soldier in God's army, you have to submit to Him. Maybe you just haven't been resisting. Oh, in the world that we live in, it's so easy just to go with the flow. It's kind of the norm, really. But when a Christian decides to submit themselves and resist the devil, it's amazing what God will do through your life. And this morning, maybe God spoke to you and you need to decide, no, the devil has not been running for me in my life because I've not been submitting, I've not been resisting. Today, God spoke to my heart, and that's exactly what I want to do. I hope you'll make that decision today and give yourself to God. With heads bowed and with eyes closed,